G'day, my name is Jeff. It's my great privilege to look with you again at this book of Ephesians. Now we're into chapter 3. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open because we're going to read together through Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. Think about what it means and how it applies to us. We'll also have you to help you to have a copy of the outline, which is on the service program that hopefully you've downloaded during the week. Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your kindness and mercy to us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving us this book of Ephesians. Thank you for the great news that has revealed to us that this good news of Jesus is for all people. Please help us to understand your word today. Please help us to trust your word. Please help us to delight in the great news that it brings us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a bit of a quiz for you. I'm going to put up some statements. And, and I want you to think about this. What do all of these statements have in common? What do all of these statements have in common? You ready? Here's the first statement. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Here's another statement. Jesus will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus with everlasting destruction. What about this one? Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Try this one. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Next one. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Well, here's uh, one final one. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. What do all of these statements have in common? Well, I can think of at least two things. Uh, first, most Australians would find them deeply offensive. They, they would violently disagree with these statements. And second, second, these statements... They were all written by the Apostle Paul. Most, of, most Australians would be offended by these statements and they were all written by the Apostle Paul. No wonder then, lots of people don't like the Apostle Paul. Let me, let me give you just a few recent quotes about Paul. Uh, this one is from a book called The Dead Sea Scrolls Deception. Paul is, in effect, the first Christian heretic, and his teachings, which become the foundation of later Christianity, are a flagrant deviation from the original or pure form extolled by Jesus and the apostles. Here's another quote about Paul from a feminist writer. Paul's anti-sexual, woman-hating attitudes may have written, may have 
may have arisen from his inability to come to terms with his own homosexuality. People say, you can't trust the Apostle Paul. And sad to say, that, that, that's even been the case in Australian Presbyterianism. Uh, in one article in the Presbyterian Review magazine a few years ago, Elder Lindsay Moore wrote uh, that Paul was mentally ill. He says, Paul suffered from a schizothymic triad of idealism, fanaticism and despotism. He says that uh, Paul had uh, a similar mental profile to Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. Even when I first came to this church, Chatsworth Presbyterian Church, I, I heard this kind of talk. A number of people said to me, they said, Jeff, you should stick to preaching from the Gospels because, and I quote, the congregation isn't too keen on Paul. There's no getting around it. Paul says things that our culture finds offensive. And so there are plenty of people, including people in the church, who say that we can't trust him. Well, contrary to the advice that I received when I first came here, we are looking together at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I don't know about you, but I have found it quite wonderful. Paul has shown us God's great plan. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be his holy and blameless children. When Jesus came, he shared his blood so we can be redeemed and forgiven. And God has revealed his great plan for the universe to unite everything under the lordship of Jesus as king. Although we were once dead in sin, led astray by the world and the devil and the flesh, by nature objects of God's wrath through Jesus, God has made us alive and saved us from his wrath and brought us into Jesus' kingdom. Although we were once alienated from God, alienated from his people, without promise, without hope, Without God in the world, through Jesus, God has brought us into his family, into his household, into his church as fully-fledged, first-class citizens. And one thing Paul has kept on saying over and over again is, is this. This great news, it is not just for Jews like him. This great news is for non-Jews, for Gentiles as well as Jews. Gentiles are included in Christ when they hear and believe, hear and believe the good news about Jesus. And, and so God gives to Gentile, the same as to Jew, God gives his Holy Spirit to those who believe in Jesus as a, as a seal and as a deposit, guaranteeing their inheritance in Jesus. Paul has been clear about it. Through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile have access to God by the same Holy Spirit. It is great news. And, and now, having come to the end of his account of God's glorious salvation, Paul, Paul is ready to pray again. You may remember a couple of weeks ago that he prayed that the Ephesians would grasp deeply that God's great plan. Well, he's going to pray again. He's going to pray that the Ephesians will, will grasp 
just the enormity of Jesus' love for them so that they'll be filled with the fullness of God. As he's introducing his prayer, Paul describes himself and he describes the situation that he is in. Paul, Paul is in jail. He's in jail because he insists that the good news about Jesus is for both Jew and Gentile. And you can see the story of what happened to Paul in the book of Acts, recorded for us in chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Acts. What happened is that Paul came to Jerusalem to report to the church about his mission to the Gentiles, also to bring a, a, a gift from the Gentile churches to the Jewish Christian churches. It was a gift to help them because, because they'd been suffering from a famine. So, so Paul came to Jerusalem, but, but while he was there, he was attacked. He was attacked by some Jewish people who opposed him. He was arrested, and, and then he was given permission to speak to the crowd. In his speech, Paul tells, he, he tells the story of, of how he was a faithful Jew, he tells the story of how Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And then he talks about how God sent him to tell Gentiles about Jesus. I've put it there on your outline. Paul says, can you see it there on your outline? Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, up until then, as Paul spoke, the crowd were listening. But when he says this, at the idea that the gospel is for Gentiles as well as Jews, at the idea that Gentiles could be included along with Jews as God's people, the crowd go absolutely wild. They want to kill Paul. Uh, they, they, want to, they want to just lynch him there on the spot. There on your outline. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. And so began a long and very difficult process of imprisonment for Paul, winding up with him being in a jail cell in Rome, writing this letter to the Ephesians. So as Paul introduces his prayer, he describes himself as a prisoner because he's been bringing the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And now Paul is a, he's about to launch into his prayer, but suddenly he stops because, because he's worried about something. He's worried that the fact that he's in jail, it might be a discouragement to his readers. In fact... It might even make them doubt the truth of what he's saying. They might doubt whether his message about Gentiles being included in Christ is correct. Now, uh, to, understand, to understand what's going on here, we, we, we need, I think, to understand a bit of the culture of the people Paul was writing to. Back in those days, people assumed... And you still see some of it in modern culture, but it was very clear in, in, in ancient culture. Back in those days, people assumed that if you were telling the truth about God, then God would bless you. You'd be healthy and, and, and prosperous 
I mean, it makes sense at one level, doesn't it? If you're telling the truth about God and God is pleased with you and, and, and pleased with your message, you'd expect that God would bless you and, and that people could see that. But Paul is in jail. It, it, it doesn't look like God is blessing Paul. It, it looks more like God is cursing Paul. It looks more like God is not pleased with Paul and with what he's saying. Meanwhile, at the time, there were a whole heap of Jewish teachers going around saying that Gentiles could not be Christians, not unless they, they first became Jews, not unless they were circumcised and, and required to obey the law of Moses. Now, they were pretty convincing these teachers. In fact, at one point, even the apostle Peter caved in to pressure from them. He stopped eating with Gentile Christians. Uh, Paul himself, he had to publicly correct Peter. Uh, th these same teachers, they caused such a big fuss that the early church had to have a big meeting, a, a general council about it in Jerusalem. And again, it, at that meeting, Paul stood up and defended the idea that Gentiles can be Christians. Getting the picture? These teachers who said that Gentiles can't be Christians, they were convincing. They were influential. And many of them were successful and prosperous. Their message was much more palatable to, to Jewish people. And so no one was trying to kill them. No, no one was putting them in jail. They were speaking to, they were speaking to packed houses. Uh, people people were, were lapping up what they were saying. For all the world, it looked like God was blessing them, approving their message. Do you see the issue? Do you see why it might lead some people to be discouraged, to, to doubt the truth of what Paul is saying? Now, it's not something that, um, it's not something that we worry about anymore. We, we today, we, we take it for granted that Gentiles can be Christians. But, but just, just for a moment... Put yourself in the shoes of the original readers of this letter. There's no guarantee. There is not widespread agreement about it. Plenty of people are saying that you cannot be a Christian if you're not Jewish. Meanwhile, here's this, this one bloke who says you can. Here's this voice in the wilderness who says, no, no, it's okay. You can be a Christian. I mean, it sounds brilliant. It, 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 it gets your hopes up. But he's in jail. So, so maybe you can't trust him. Maybe he's just another con man like all the other con men in jail maybe he deserves to be in jail and maybe therefore what he says can't be trusted and and and, and you're not welcome to be a christian after all that would be discouraging wouldn't it it'd be devastating i reckon and, and so before he prays in these next few verses 
Paul pauses and he discusses this issue so that his readers won't be discouraged. First, first, Paul says, it was God who revealed this truth. It was God who revealed the truth that Gentiles can share equally with Jews in the promises of Jesus. This is a true message from God himself. Now, Paul calls this true message a mystery, a, a, a secret. What he means is it wasn't previously revealed. It, it was held back. You might not understand it if you just read the Old Testament. But Paul says God has now revealed the mystery. He did it by his Holy Spirit and he gave the message to Jesus' apostles. God gave the message to Jesus' apostles, including to Paul himself. Verse 2. Verse 2. Surely... You have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel... The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. God revealed this message. God revealed the message Paul is preaching. God revealed that Gentiles do get to share in the gospel with Jews. And Paul goes on to say that, that God appointed him to proclaim the message. God appointed Paul. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Less than the least of all God's people, he calls himself. But God himself brought Paul to faith in Jesus. God himself entrusted Paul with the message of Jesus. God himself sent Paul to tell the Gentiles about Jesus. And also God himself appointed Paul to make clear to the Jews that the message is for both Jew and Gentile. God appointed Paul, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. God revealed the truth that the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile. God appointed Paul to tell Gentiles about Jesus and to ensure that everyone would understand that the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile. Now, Paul then talks about why God has done this, why he's decided to save both Jew and Gentile through Jesus. It's part of God's great plan. We've already seen, haven't we, God's great purpose his great purpose is to unite everything under Jesus. And, and the fact that now both Jews and Gentiles are united in church under the Lord Jesus, well, that's part of the plan. That's the, 
That's the start of the plan. That's the plan underway. And so Paul says the very existence of the church, the very existence of a church where Jew and Gentile are united under Christ is a testimony. It's a testimony even to the powers of heaven that God's unstoppable purpose is underway. Everything and everyone will be united under Christ. Verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The message that the gospel is for Gentiles, it is God's message. God appointed Paul to share the message and it's part of his great purpose to unite everything under Jesus. And so Paul finishes the section, he finishes the section by encouraging his readers through Jesus, they may approach God without fear, whether they're Jew or Gentile. The message is true, even though Paul is suffering, even though Paul is in jail, the message is true. And the reason that he's suffering was to make sure that the message gets out there so that people like the Ephesians can be, can be saved from God's wrath and be part of his, Jesus' glorious kingdom. And so, Paul says to his readers, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. You can trust me. It's true. The gospel really is for you. Verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Okay. Can you see what's here in this passage? Paul has told the great news that, that, that the gospel is for Gentiles as well as Jews. And, and now he's about to pray. He's about to pray that the Ephesian Gentiles will be able to grasp the enormity of Jesus' love for them. And, 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 and as he introduces the prayer, he, he talks about how he's in jail. But then Paul realises that might be a real discouragement to the readers. That, that they might doubt the message that, that the gospel is for Gentiles like them. And so in this section, Paul makes this, this little digression. He says... God is the one who declared that the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile. God is the one who appointed Paul to share the message. And he says that the message is part, it's all part of God's great plan to unite everything under Jesus. And so he says, don't be discouraged. You can trust me. The gospel is for you, even if you're not Jewish. Okay, well, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. And in one sense, in one sense, this passage, it's addressing a problem that, that most Australian Christians don't have. Uh, my guess is that there are very few Australian Christians who worry that the fact that they're Gentiles might mean they can't be Christians. I mean, we, we assume that the gospel is naturally for Gentiles. If anything, we wonder if the gospel is for Jews. We've, we've actually, from a New Testament perspective, got things completely upside down. But this is one of the big issues of the New Testament. 
And, and hopefully as we, as, as we put ourselves into a New Testament mindset, as we put ourselves into the shoes of the original readers, it, it's helping us to grasp just how extraordinarily blessed we are to be included in Christ. Gentiles are not natural Christians. Gentiles don't have God's Old Testament promises. And, and so if you're a Gentile, this passage, how do you apply it to yourself? Well, just, just delight in it. Re- rejoice at God's amazing mercy and kindness. The gospel, the gospel is not just good news. The gospel is good news for you. You're included. I, th- I think another application, application of the passage is this. God has a purpose for us as a church. By being a group of different people who are united in Jesus, we are a testimony not just to the world but even to heaven that God's unstoppable plan is underway. As we put aside our human differences and treat each other as equals under the Lord Jesus, we show God's great plan to unite everything under Jesus. I think our church is in many ways a good witness on this issue. We are multiracial, multicultural, multi-aged, multi-status group. And I think in many ways we, we do have a lovely, a lovely unity in Jesus that transcends these human barriers. I think it's good. And, and I hope it's something we keep working on. It's something we'll think more about as we get into Ephesians chapter 4. How do we apply this passage? Well, rejoice that the gospel is for us, Jew or Gentile, and be united as a church. Transcend those human barriers as we're united under the Lord Jesus. Here's a final application. Final application is about how we think about the Apostle Paul. The reality is, as I said at the beginning, Paul says things that clash with our modern Western culture. That leads many people to disagree with him. It leads many people to say that we can't trust Paul. But I think this passage reveals a a deep, a, a, a gaping flaw in that argument. Humanly speaking, if it weren't for Paul, Gentiles would never have been included in Christianity. If Paul hadn't argued with Peter about it, if Paul hadn't stood up at the Council of Jerusalem, if Paul hadn't suffered, if Paul hadn't gone to jail, humanly speaking, the other side would have won. Gentiles would never have been allowed to be Christians, not unless they became Jews first. Humanly speaking, if it weren't for Paul... Christianity would have remained a sect within Judaism. Paul is the one who most clearly understood the place of the Gentiles. Paul is the one who went out to the Gentiles and told them about Jesus. Paul is the one who stood up to the Jewish Christians for the rights of Gentiles. Paul is the one who suffered and eventually was killed because he kept on proclaiming this message. And so, 
It is only if you can trust Paul that you as a Gentile can have any confidence that Jesus is for you. It is only if you can trust Paul that you as a Gentile can have any confidence that Jesus is for you. Friend, if you're a Gentile, Paul is uniquely your apostle. You wouldn't be a Christian if it weren't for Paul. And so Paul should be your hero. Next to Jesus himself, Paul should be your favourite person ever. I must say, given all this, I find it strange when Gentile Christians tell me they don't like Paul or, or, or you can't trust Paul. The idea of a Gentile Christian not trusting Paul, it is, it's self-defeating. It's like cutting off the branch that you're sitting on. The only reason you can be a Gentile Christian is if you can trust Paul. No way, friends. If you're a Gentile Christian, you should cling on tight to Paul. You, 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 should, you should hold as incredibly dear the fact that you can trust him. You should hang off his every word. And, and if he says something you don't agree with, well, you need to humble yourself and change your mind. You need to humble yourself and change your mind because Paul can be trusted. What Paul says is from God. Paul's message is from God himself. Paul was appointed by God himself. He can be trusted. It is vitally important that he can be trusted. So friends, let's trust him. And let's, let's delight in, in the wonderful news that he brings us, that the gospel is for us. Let's pray. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is for everyone. We thank you that no matter who we are, no matter where we are from, we are included when we hear and believe the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are given your Holy Spirit and we are made first-class, fully-fledged citizens of your kingdom. Heavenly Father, thank you for this magnificent news and thank you for the Lord Jesus who died and rose again to make it possible. And, and thank you for the Apostle Paul who bravely proclaimed that this message is for Jew as well as Gentile and who suffered and, and even died for doing so. Thank you that we can trust him. Thank you for his magnificent letters like this letter to the Ephesians. Please help us to trust what the Apostle Paul says and to, to delight in the great news that the gospel is for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.